millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, May 1st. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, police claim a dismembered body was caused by wildlife, sparking protests under the suspicion of foul play. Then we hear how a family from Ukraine was forced to flee war and start a new life in the Gulf South. Plus, advice on how Mississippians can prepare for the upcoming hurricane season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The dismembered body of a man was discovered last year in southern Mississippi, though police say they are unable to determine a cause of death. Family members say Jefferson County resident Rashim Carter had placed a call warning officers about a group of white men threatening him prior to his death. Our Michael McEwen spoke with his mother, Tiffany Carter, who organized a protest in Taylorsville this weekend, calling for answers in the case of her son's death. It has been unreal. I can't make this up. I have been through so much. What I've learned to do is lean on God, but it's been rough as a mother. I have a seven-year-old granddaughter and a son that's 28 that's grieving out of this world. It's challenging to try to be strong for them, even though my son is 28, and then deal with losing a child. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And then it's always something they doing to try to stop us from doing what we got to do, you know. And that by itself is, is heartbreaking, you know, because I'm just one person. I'm the mother and the child mother that you took. Why are you so fearful for what you did that was wrong? to me and my family and the people who love Rasheen. You know, justice got to be served. Justice got to be served. It's not up for debate. It's not up for explaining. It's not up for any of that. Justice will be served. That's, that's how I feel on it. But overall, as a mother, this have been the most horrific thing I have ever dealt with in my life. 
And how often are you having to make the trip down here to try and get answers? We come every month or two, something like that. It's still not where it should be, but we're not going to stop till we get what we're going to get. So, I mean, you can accept we're not going to stop till we get justice. And you're going to deal with what you got to deal with until you can be men and women and stand up and say what you did to my son. And it's just as simple as that. I was born in Jefferson County. I was brought up in church. I'm a firm believer that you reap what you sow in life. You reap just what you sow. You sow good, you reap good. You sow bad, you reap bad, you know. And at the end of the day, I, I was brought up, I was raised up with love, you know. And that's what I always did. Anytime I come here, I came here with love. I will contact whoever I need to contact to make sure before we came in these areas that we had permission. I didn't even have to do that. But I'm big on respect. I'm big on unity. I'm big on loving people the way God would want me to love them. And that's that's how I feel about that. But this, like I say again, this is this is terrible. And, you know, I have a lot of young people in my family that's really battling, like really grieving, like going through. And even his friends, even the people that he loved grieving and going through. It's just, I tell you, it's, it's rough. But... With the strength from the Lord, I'm doing the best I can to make it. That's, that's, that's all I really could tell you. How is your community back home in Jefferson County? Have they been supporting you in any way? They've been supporting me, but again, this has affected that community in some of the worst ways. Tiffany Carter is the mother of Rasheem Carter, a 25-year-old black man who was found dead last fall near Taylorsville. She has filed a lawsuit against local law enforcement to get answers, and her attorneys say his death could have been a modern-day lynching. Gulfport resident Marquel Bridges is also in Taylorsville calling for justice in the death of Rasheem Carter. I have two black sons. Mississippi let Emmett Till and the Till family down. We didn't stand up. We didn't unify. We didn't fight for their justice. And it's 67 years. We don't want to wait 67 years for justice for Rasheem Carter. Are you at all surprised or disappointed that situations like these are still happening in Mississippi in 2023? I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I actually, I'm an activist. I run Building Bridges for Community Unity and Progress. Um, this is what I do, sadly. Um, but I'm not surprised. Mississippi is full of hate and racism. Um, there's still Confederate statues everywhere. Even though we changed the flag, they're yet to take those down. This is just a state that's embedded in, in, in a hatred for black people. And can I ask you, given this situation, how do you feel as a black man, knowing what Rasheem Carter looks to have gone through? I'm, uh, I'm angry. I'm past angry. Um, I'm ready to fight back. What do you think is the best way to achieve that? By voting, by voting these racist people out, um, by using our Second Amendment rights to defend ourselves, by educating ourselves and uniting. What do you think protests and rallies like today, what can they achieve for his family and for the community? It brings awareness um, to the rest of the world, for one, uh, elevating his name, um, not above any of the other others, but sort of bringing it to the forefront. Um, you always meet people that you need to meet. Um, you, you're able to meet press and get the story out and tell the truth because often the press is uh, one-sided from the police statement. No one knows how the family feels or what they're going through. So these events is where we get to tell the truth. 
How important is community in supporting a family that's going through something like this? There's nothing more more important than supporting a family that's going through loss. As the black community, we have to get back to being a community and stand for one another and love for one another. So there's nothing I'd rather be doing. Mark Coyle Bridges of Gulfport is one of many Mississippians who participated in a protest this weekend calling for justice in the death of Rasheem Carter. Coming up, how war in Ukraine displaced a family to the Gulf South and what it's taken them to make the adjustment. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Public Radio is always by your side, serving you and your community with the news you need and providing some perspective along the way. The BI came first. The flowers evolved later. And so the colors of flowers have evolved to ideally tickle the eyes of bees. In Public Radio's story, you come first, and we are constantly evolving to better serve you. So please give back by donating to this station. Go to mpbonline.org to make your contribution. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Back in Ukraine, Mikola Bish Ivanyuk owned a dress shop, lived in a beautiful home with his wife, children, and their dog. Then came war. As the Gulf States newsroom's Taylor Washington reports, the family has been able to find refuge in a new beginning in Alabama. At a dress shop in Birmingham, there's a new seamster. His name is Mikola Vishavanyuk, and he's from Lviv, Ukraine. Back in Ukraine, he owned his own dress shop where he specialized in wedding dresses. But when we visited him at his new job downtown, he was working on a dress for a uniquely American tradition. I make now alterations for this prom dress. Prom, just one of several events that the shop, something you couture, outfits people for. Ashley Goody is the owner, and she describes his work in one word. Perfect. (laughs) Um, He's very skilled. He's a very skilled patterner and can look at something and know exactly what to do. With a lot of help from Google Translate, Mikula and Ashley have been able to communicate despite a language barrier. And Mikula has been able to make himself feel right at home. We work together. It's very nice team and actually it's very nice atmosphere. Yes, it's very nice atmosphere. The inside of the shop is quiet and tranquil, which Mikula loves. It's been a welcome change because this time last year, Mikola and his wife, Olana, were sewing tactical gear for the Ukrainian army instead. It's been over a year since Russia invaded Ukraine last February and upended the lives of millions of Ukrainians. Russia has had troops in Ukraine since 2014, but it has largely been confined to the eastern part of the country. Olana Vishavanyuk says she couldn't believe another invasion was happening because the first was so far away from them. But this time, war was knocking on her front door, and she could hear explosions. I know that all people were saying that war is going to start, but how you can believe that someone like your neighbor or your brother, you know, will attack you this day? The invasion set off a chain of difficult decisions for the Vishavanyuks. First, they sent their three daughters to live with their grandparents. Then, Mikola considered joining the Ukrainian army. 
and eventually they made what Olana says was the hardest decision of all, leaving Ukraine altogether. I said I will live only in case if I will have some somewhere place to go. So the Vishavanyuk started their search for a new home, and last summer they came across a website called United for Ukraine. It's a program created by the United States government that allows American citizens to sponsor a Ukrainian family for up to two years. So while the family was setting up their profile on the site, so was a lawyer for Regions Bank named Ed Cotter. I'd never done anything like that before. Obviously, I, I don't know. It was kind of a lark more than anything. Um, I didn't really even tell my wife. I just signed up for it. And even though Cotter says he signed up on a whim, his commitment was very clear to Mikola, who remembers their first meeting. It was a video chat, and he met Ed's wife and daughter. Cotter immediately got to work and rallied his community. Friends, family, neighbors, and churches came together to raise over $50,000 for the Vishavanyuks. This money went to housing, travel, and everything in between. Another important part of his plan were his region's co-workers, Irina Pritchett and Tatiana Hall. Hall is from Russia, and Pritchett's family immigrated to the U.S. from the Soviet Union to escape a similar situation. I think the term was traitors to the states. The women served as interpreters and handled travel logistics. And now, they're part of the family's lives. Five months later, in the Vishavanyuk's apartment, looks so cozy. There's family pictures on the wall. The kids bustle up and down the stairs. And Mikula even has his own dressmaking studio. He picks up a white lace dress with an intricate handmade flower. It's the first dress I make in America because my girl, Joanna, uh, I don't know, go or some party. <laughs> and I made this dress. His kids give us a tour of their bedroom, which is filled with stuffed animals, board games, books, and the Nintendo Switch, of course. Eleven-year-old Joanna showed us her favorite toys. I have a giraffe. This is so cute. Yeah, so cute. Ed Cotter said that the overall goal was to help the Vishavanyuks become independent. And in less than a year in Alabama, they are. Like, they have their own social lives, they have their own jobs, their kids have their own friends. Mikula continues to do the job he loves and knows so well. Alana is the case manager helping other Ukrainians move to the U.S., and their children are happy again. It started to laugh, to dance, and to think a song, and we didn't realize it, that they stopped it, you know, to think, to laugh, to smile. What the Vishavanyuks lost in the war can never be replaced. But for the first time in a long time, they don't have to survive. They can just live. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Taylor Washington. WBHM's Rithika Samuth contributed to this story. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, emergency managers now say it's the time to prepare for Mississippi's upcoming hurricane season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's hurricane preparedness week in Mississippi, and the official hurricane season is just one month away. Forecasters are predicting below-average hurricane activity this season, thank goodness. Colorado State University recently released its annual first forecast for the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season. It predicts 13 named storms, six of them hurricanes, and two of them major. The Mississippi Emergency Management Agency urges residents to have an evacuation plan and monitor weather services to know when threats could be coming. MEMA spokesperson Mallory White says now is the best time to get ready. Preparedness is the number one thing that people need to keep in mind for any type of severe weather event. With Hurricane Preparedness Week, which is April 30th through May 6th, uh, we are just taking this week to raise awareness about very specific topics that deal with hurricanes. So Sunday, know your risk. And then we go into other topics throughout the week, and we're going to be posting all week on our social media. Monday, prepare before hurricane season. And so that means the first 72 hours after a hurricane or a tropical storm, you need to have enough food, water, supplies, medicine to get you through at least 72 hours. And why 72 hours? Because it can take us, and if we need FEMA, roughly about that amount of time for us to get you any type of resources. Because think about it, we have to clear the roads to get resources to you, and that could take some time. So have 72 hours worth of supplies or more for your family. Whenever somebody is considering a hurricane, starting off on the front end, how can people make sure their home is prepared? Hurricanes, especially in Mississippi, they don't just affect the the lower three or the lower six coastal counties. It can actually be a statewide thing. And so your number one piece that you need to have for hurricane season is insurance, your regular homeowner's insurance and then flood insurance, especially if you're in a flood zone. But, of course, obviously, you can go in and reinforce your windows. Uh, clean out your gutters, get those types of things ready as well. But I think one of the bigger things, what we are more concerned about is protecting the lives. And so we want folks to be educated, informed about what a tropical storm is and what a watch versus a hurricane is. So we are encouraging people this week to take the time to educate yourselves and what that is and to also know when it is time to evacuate. Um, Local officials will tell you, and if it's bad enough, there could even be state-ordered evacuation if needed. But your local officials are going to be the first ones to say, you need to get out. And we need those Mississippians to heed that warning and get out whenever your local officials say that. Stay protected during the storms. One thing that you need to identify now is if you do have to evacuate, where are you going? Where, where are you staying? Are you relying on a shelter that is going to be open, or are you relying on family members or friends? 
that is all part of your plan with your family, going through that plan and letting someone who is not in your immediate family know what your plan is. And so one of the great things that we launched this year is our MEMA app. Um, you can find it in the App Store for Google and Apple. And we have checklists there for folks. You can put in your emergency contacts. You can put in your emergency meeting place. Take advantage of it and put all of that information in your phone. It's stored locally. The state has no access to it, but it is one of those things that can help. And one thing, Cody, that we've seen, especially after the tornadoes that we just went through, how important it is to keep those important documents. Um, and you can also upload those through the MEMA app, and it will store on your phone. And we're talking insurance cards, mortgage, those types of things, your birth certificate, your Social Security card. Make copies of that. Have digital copies of it, too. You mentioned earlier, understand the severities of different types of tropical storms versus hurricanes. Can you give us a quick rundown of what people should be looking for? When should they be taking different steps to either prepare or evacuate? So I don't encourage people to start preparing whenever you see the storm enter the Gulf. You need to start preparing uh, and watching as soon as it starts spinning off of the coast of Africa, in my opinion. That's what I do with my family. Stay educated and stay informed this hurricane season. So a couple of things to keep in mind is even if a tropical storm comes, and that's winds ranging from 39 to 73 miles per hour, it can still do some damage. The storm can stall out and cause really bad flooding. The winds can knock down the power lines. And then anything 74 miles per hour or higher is classified as a hurricane. Watches versus warning. A watch means we have the conditions for it to happen. A warning means it is happening. I do encourage you, though, to watch your local meteorologist. Follow what they're saying because they're going to be tracking it as well. Watch those local stations because they have your best interest at heart. And just stay informed and make sure you're talking to your family as well. But like I said earlier, hurricanes don't just affect coastal Mississippi. What risk might be coming for Mississippians who live in central or northern parts of the state? Those who live on the coast, they know. They completely understand what the risks are uh, for this. You've got the wind, the storm surge, the rain, the flooding, um, those types of things. But as the storm progresses and makes its way through the rest of Mississippi, central to north Mississippi, there are a few things that can happen. It can stall out, which means the rain is not moving out as quickly. So you have a higher possibility of flooding. Um, and then the wind damages it too. So power outages, debris in the roadway. So while it may not be as such a long-term impact on central and north Mississippi as it would be on the coast, you could definitely still feel the effects. And we saw that back when Hurricane Ida hit us in 2011. I mean, we're still trying to recover from Hurricane Ida. There are still projects that are underway. If there is a storm and Mississippians return home, what are the first things they should be doing? We encourage you to uh, return home when the local officials say it is safe for you to return home. Um, that's, that's the number one thing. Uh, wait for them to give you the go-ahead. 
but whenever you do return home, we encourage you to use as much caution as you can, especially driving back. You never know what type of debris you're going to run into. And whenever you do start the cleanup process, we encourage you to wear thick boots, gloves. Not only that, though, don't walk through the floodwaters because you just don't know what is lurking in there between the chemicals and the animals as well. As far as getting your home back and restored, first thing you need to do is call your insurance company and file that claim. People need to keep in mind is FEMA will not always come. So your best plan of action is to have that insurance. So if we do not get a federal disaster declaration, you already have a plan in place, a financial plan in place to help you recover. Mallory White is a spokesperson with the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Mallory, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you. And that was MPB's Kobe Vance speaking with Mallory White from MEMA. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.